King Hell and Skin. If we're behind, then never mind. We'll fight and fight and win, for we're from Tigerland. G'day everybody and welcome to the 10th edition of Tiger Tragics. Mitchell Scott is my name. I say hello to Tony Shebeki. Hello Mitchell, how are you? I'm I'm feeling good, but I'm not looking as resplendent as you in the... Can we get a photo of this? Uh, we will tweet this out. You are wearing the, the Richmond Centenary... 2008 Centenary yes. Jumper. So it's the so it's the yellow and black striped like the like the way Hawthorne and that have their jumper, which was the uh, was that the original Richmond jumper back in nineteen oh eight. Yeah, it certainly was, and it's got the old tiger in there, and it's got the Dick Smith logo in there, and it's got on the back whose number twenty five. Jay Schultz. Jay Schultz. So this, was that his jumper? This was, was his jumper that he didn't wear on the night because it's a long sleeve version. Well, they all, all players going with the long sleeve and a short sleeve and. That's I was fortunate enough to get my hand on the long sleeve version. Nice one. Hello to Carl Bianco. Hello, gentlemen. Great to be with you after a Tiger win, and especially against Port Adelaide over at Adelaide Oval. Well, that makes this jumper even more significant. We did, we did play for the Jay Schultz Cup. The Jay Schultz troy Chaplin, matt Weish Cup. <laughs> There's a few others in there matt as well. Thomas. I think you've done it. Yeah, Matt yeah, Thomas, yeah. who've done the, the jump across from, from there. And the last thing I just want to say on the jumper before we do talk about the game is uh, when I think it, when I see that jumper, I think of the game. It was against Carlton. We did lose. That game, but I think of Cleve Hughes. I think he nice. kicked a bag that day. Oh. The Cleaver, jeez. And I think that was it. That was about all we heard from the Cleaver. Was, uh, he had he had one good game. <laughs> was Kent Kingsley playing in that game as well? Well, two thousand could have been actually. <laughs> I think Richo was. I think Richo was because it was two thousand eight, which was it was my first year at SCN actually. So yeah, jeez, we're going a while back now. Let's well, uh, we get to we get to talk about a good win this week. I think it was you know uh, last week uh, when we we got back on the. Uh, on the winners list after the loss to Sydney, we were you know just a little bit hesitant to actually read much into it. But um, a very good win over Port Adelaide on Saturday night that had us all jumping for joy and messaging each other. And suddenly we find ourselves back in the top four again and we're all going, you bloody beauty, how good's this? So Richmond won, came from behind, 11, 10, 76. 76, magic number, 76. guys. I told you last week. told you last week, if they score 76 or more, they win. So 11, 10, 76 to Port Adelaide, 8, 15, 63. Uh, uh, you know, the saying, a game of two halves, probably summarises it pretty well. Shebex, what were your initial thoughts? Oh, no doubt about it. That first half was a dour struggle. It was an arm wrestle. There was no movement. It was just, uh, it was like both teams had agreed at the start of the match, let's not score in this first <laughs> half, and then we'll uh, we'll have a go in the second. It was, it was a really strange first half of footy, and you felt at any point in time that if Port Adelaide actually got their kicking straight that they probably had more of that ball in the first half and could have done a lot more damage to us. Fortunately, though, we went in at half-time, only, uh, what, two goals, three down, I think it was at half-time, and I think we were 20 points or something down at three-quarter time it got out to, 18 points, 20 oh, points. Oh, in that third quarter, we, we ended up, so we, we got, I think Robbie Gray kicked the goal, which I think put it out to about six, somewhere at 16, yeah. 18 points, somewhere, somewhere around that point, and then we went on a... We went on a spree and kicked six straight, three yep. in the three in the third quarter, three in the fourth quarter, um, and we let it. We just nicked in front from a three quarter time with that Dustin Martin goal where he took it and they kicked him and Daniel Rioli kicked identical goals from that same pocket on the mm. run. Um, same fist pump as they then ran to the bench. It was uh, it was something to uh, to behold, and then we uh, we we managed to. to Rather than uh, you know potentially fold like we might have done in previous times, and you know now do what I like to call doing an Essendon, yeah. uh, seeing as where they're at, uh, we held firm and uh, and and got on with the win and took the four we points. Did. And I think it was only until I heard, and I think it was Jason Dunstall on Fox Sports who were doing the game at the time, and I think Dunstall said, in other games that Richmond have played in like this, you have felt 
that the other team was a chance to come back. But he said there's no feeling of that with Port Adelaide. He said Richmond have run past them, and they're done. So oh. it was at that point I thought, I think you're right, actually. In other games, such as the game against Fremantle and the game against GWS, they were, or even though we had the lead, the other team was always thereabouts. And then, but I think Port Adelaide were pretty much cooked halfway through that. It last was quarter. once we got out to that sort of throw, so it hovered between the two and three goal margin. There, it felt like they were never going to kick. You know, they're going to have to kick four to win it, basically, in yep. the space of eight minutes. And you just felt that wasn't going to be the case. Carl, I, was that, I was that confident that we were mm, going to win mm. that I actually turned over and watched the last five minutes of GWS Geelong. <laughs> Did you really? and watch and just watch the score of the Richmond Port Adelaide game on the bottom right hand corner to on see the if that changed? Oh, yeah. Okay, I had well, I had the uh, I had the the I put the Richmond game then onto the iPad for the last ten minutes of that one. So I had the I had the game on the the Geelong GWS game on the on the big screen. I had the iPad going there next yep. to me with me on the couch, which um, it, it, it's a great way to watch sport. Actually, it, it means you don't miss a thing. Carl, <laughs> where, where were you watching the game, and what, what what did you take out of it? Oh, first time in a while, I was actually at home on my couch with my family, and it, it was a great game to watch. I mean, the first half was a bit average, but you know, a lot of people have been speaking about Richmond's pressure this year and how much it has changed. I reckon. That was our best performance that demonstrated how much our pressure against our opponents has changed and improved this year. I honestly don't think I've seen a game that Richmond have played where they have applied so much pressure. And it was fantastic to see. Like, we were just at them all four quarters. And that, I think, was a reflection as to why the scores were so low at halftime. And then that second half opened up a little bit. And right near the end of the third quarter, that was when Richmond started to look like they were going to get on top of Port Adelaide, come out in the last quarter, and they really just put the afterburners on and said, we're not losing to you guys this week. We're going to prove that we are a top four side and that we're going to run over the top of you guys and win against you. Full credit to Ken Hinckley and his team. It was, it was. I said yesterday on SEN that it was like a game, it was a pure game of chess, this one. Yeah. Hinkley took the first brave move of tagging Alex Rance. Yeah, let's talk about now, that. that oh, you don't hear that too often of a defender being tagged, but it really confused Alex and it took him off his game in that first half. He was he was he was the most ordinary I think we've seen in probably 3 years in that first half. I mean, mm. he was getting ragdolled. He got the Alex Rance doesn't get ragdolled and there was that instance he was getting he got outmarked twice or three times by Trengo. I don't know if he was ordinary. He just wasn't effective. Yeah, oh, well, he still he still got to the play and he still did what he had to do, but it wasn't as effective of what he has been in the past. I say ordinary, I guess, by Alex Rance standards yeah, yeah, because for, yeah, because right, the bar yeah. is so high with with Rancey, and sure. yeah. um, you know it's just not often you see him genuinely beaten in contests by an opponent who you know all credit to Jackson Trengove. I don't you know I think he's he's good without being spectacular in most parts. So he did really well to actually make Rance accountable when he didn't know what to do. Um, he got outmarked and outbodied by Charlie Dixon in one contest, which led to a Dixon goal. And um, there was that one where, yes, where in the goal square, where Tre- Trengove literally just flung Rance to the ground, took the ball, check-sided it through for a, yeah. for a goal. And you just sort of thought, oh, geez, this is the sort of the night we're going to have. And then, um, you know, as you say, full credit to Ken Hinckley for coming up with that sort of tactic because it was um, it it made reduced the game to a grind where Rance couldn't really have his his effectiveness. And and then uh, if you read on foxsports.com.au, uh, Trent Cotchin had a really decent heart to heart with with 
Rancy at half time and, and sort of said, well, you know, where are you at with, uh, with this going? We, do we see pictures of that on the telly? Yeah. yeah. And that's what, sort of, that's what sort of triggered the story. Actually, Tommy Morris wrote, wrote, wrote the yarn. And, um, you know, Rance came out in that second half a completely different player and he managed did. to, managed to the, the, his teammates, I think, managed to give him a bit of a chop out in that. And then suddenly he was back to his best. Like he had 18 second half disposals and actually might have been 12 second half disposals. Um, and So I, that was the counter-strike by Damien Hardwick in this yeah, game of chess in, in yeah. that in that Rance was Rance's ability to then get loose in the second half, and also his I think Hardwick's ability to have an actual word to our small brigade, who weren't as effective as they should have been, but guys like Rioli, Stegel, the new, the new kid, kicked a couple. Uh, Trent Cotchin even lifted himself as well. And there was this general rise of play from the Richmond players, which put them back into the contest. They tried another move, Port Adelaide, I think by moving Morby going to the, the midfield in the last quarter. It didn't work, and then Richmond pretty much played checkmate after that. But it was a, a pure footy game of chess, this one, like, one like I haven't seen for a long time. I was, mm. I was genuinely thrilled um, just seeing that, that sort of wave that came through, which, which I think is what it, it can't, it's happened in a few games this, this year where you, we, we get that run on and there's that confidence, and you know, that, you know, suddenly Trent Cotchen, who's had a pretty hard first half comes out and he ran he's running the length of the ground setting it up off half yeah. back keeps running gives the directive on burns his opponent takes the mark inside 50 with a little chip kick he's directing traffic while he's doing all this i mean that's leadership and then he kicks the goal kicks an important goal for for richmond to get to uh, to sort of get us back into this into this contest because as you say i mean like port adelaide if they had a kick straight for chunks in that game, you just felt like there was this arm wrestle going on, and you know what? If Matty White kicks a couple of those that he missed to the right, and I think Travis Boak missed one, and um, you know they they have the ability to to really suck that confidence out of you. But as long as they kept missing those, we were always in this game. Um, and then you know guys like Dan Butler, Dan Butler bobbed up with probably his best game and kicked a beautiful running goal in the uh, in the second quarter, yeah. which just kept us in touch. And then you know did, did it in the in the in the Bobbed up again with two in the last quarter. Took an important mark in the pocket there and snapped it. And then, um, you know, Stengel, as you say, on debut, kicks two really important goals in his home state. And you've discovered something about him that I didn't know. Yeah, I I thought this was a fact. He's related to Michael O'Loughlin. Yeah, I remember hearing something in the uh, preseason about him being... Michael O'Loughlin's his uncle. Yeah, there you go. Good genes to have in the team. Bloody oath. And he kicks two goals on debut. Like... You don't often hear a debutant kicking two goals in the first game. Uh, yeah, having said that, one was gifted to him by well, a beautiful mark from Jack Revolt. Let's yeah, say. it was just it was it was classic Jack, and then the ability to to open the eyes and, and see the handball in the square, and Stiegel grabs that and runs through. That that was a good play, but he was good. That's mm. sort of I think that's indicative as well of this of the the enthusiasm with which this Tiger side is now running. And you know, Hardwick said after the game that we speed is now gen, a genuine. Uh, you know, component that we do really well that a lot of teams yeah. don't do as well as us. It's it's a really strength of the team, and in that in that situation, typically you know, oh Jack takes a mark, let's, oh he'll just go back and kick the goal. Nah, there's three blokes streaming forward through the fifty, wanting to make the goal the easiest option as possible. Sure enough, there's there's the handball. There they go. We are that fast at the moment that Matty White would be tearing his hamstring if he was still playing for us. He wouldn't keep up. He wouldn't would he? keep up. It's brilliant. It's so fun to watch. <laughs> I'll genuinely love it. Because there was a time when Matty White was our quickest player. He was, yeah. and, we, and we, we, we sold him off to, to Port Adelaide. Yes, correct. And on that, when he went to Port Adelaide, he was their eighth fastest player. There you go. So he was our fastest. he was fastest. generally our fastest, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, there was that game a couple of years ago against Port Adelaide where he kicked, I think it was a goal of the year nomination, where he burnt 
might have been Dylan Grimes actually running from half back. Bounce, bounce, bounce. Dobbed it from 50 on the boundary at Eddie, at Eddie Had. It was the Troy Chaplin goes forward game in 2014, which really sort of set up our that that tilt at the finals. There. Yeah. Just just the last thing I just wanted to say on Rance, um, indicative of how we then got our defensive side of the game back on track was in that last quarter. Uh, you know, we and the, the way we're dealing with the pressure, we we conceded 24 inside 50s from Port Adelaide in that last quarter. They kicked two goals. They took no marks. So you know the the, the fact that we were able to just string it so much back on uh, on track from that. Uh, Rance got his game going. Grimes continues to go absolutely underrated. Dylan Grimes uh, is but, and, and Asprey too. Yeah. Having said that, I think Asprey's received some some love, some genuine love this year from from everyone outside of Richmond as well, not just the supporters. But you're right; it's not just Rance that brings that defence together. It is Rance, it is Grimes, it is Asprey, and then there is a massive support crew of around about four or five or six other players that either come back from the wing or work back from a half back, mm-hmm. or even defenders as well that work back. But those three are just leading that defence so well this year, so well. It's magnificent. I I wonder whether teams are now going to get a feel of what Jackson Trengove did by tagging Rance and might go, you know what, we need to try that ourselves when we play Richmond and try and make him accountable. Because yeah, they, let's, put because, him, let's put him at centre-half forward. That's not a bad idea. Break we need, just, well, someone like, if he, But that's what, what it's going to have to take. If, if they do that, let's just, let's just stuff them right up. And throw him up, up up at full forward. Well, it's interesting because I think of a game like St Kilda this week, where you know it might be tempted to play. You know, let's make let's play Nick Rewalt on him forward, where Nick Rewalt will just make him run up the ground. But Rance will just go. You know what, Nick? You can run up the ground. I'll just stay back here and take we cheap, unaccountable intercept marks. We don't marks. care, Nick, if you take a mark ninety meters out from goal. That's fine. We just don't want you taking marks forty meters out from goal. So, mate, you run up as far as you, that. That'll be the attitude. Yeah. I uh, who were there any standouts for you, Carl, from the game? Like uh, I suppose you know, Dusty had his usual you know, thirty plus and kicked a couple of goals and and looked magnificent and would probably get the three votes again. But who who stood out to you in terms of you know? There's I think there's a few players who had quite possibly their best performances in the game. But who caught your eye? Two people stand out for me their performance on the weekend. I'll start with Connor Menager. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, best so he's game. just working. He's just yeah. working into that, isn't he? Mm. Uh, four, five, six weeks ago, we were still undecisive as to whether he should be in our best twenty-two. Yeah, I reckon he's right on that cusp now. Yeah. If he if he's not in there, definitely. We finally seen him play to his strength, yeah. which is speed, and we didn't. Be, and the game plan's now suing that. So he comes in has, and actually has an impact. Where you know last year and when and the, and the year before that, where it's all about being a tough, grinding sort of physical thing. That was never going to be his strength because he's he's you know he's not he's not big. He's still not big. He's you know he's, he's done a couple more preseasons. He's a Western he's suburbs big. boy. You got to be fast out the Western suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought I thought his game was good. Who else? Uh, Sam Lloyd. I also thought had a good game. Kicked a goal. And one thing I found with Lloydy, we hadn't really seen this from him before. Well, from my observation this week anyway, was he was going back a lot and helping out down back, obviously with Hooley being out for the next three weeks now. We'll talk about that. Uh, We'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, We need to have a couple of other players sort of come back. And I think we lacked the run of the ball, not in a bad way. We still managed to do it fine off coming off half back, but... Hooley's really good at that, you know, receiving a hand pass or mm. a kick from uh, Grimes or whoever it is down back, and then really running us down the wing into our inside 50. I think Lloyd sort of did a little bit of that on the weekend. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I did, because I, because when they when the team sheet came out on Thursday, actually, we all sort of, I mentioned last week, lost and 
was all right in the VFL, but he wasn't in, he wasn't listed in the best in his mm. game in his return back. And we, we you naturally sort of think, okay, Hooley comes out, Vlosten comes back in and plays off half back, and um, they went with Oleg Markov instead because he's got a little bit more dash and had a little bit more, you know, he's just had the runs on the board yeah. in the VFL more. I don't, look, he was okay without being sort of effective in in a real sort of quantitative sense. So, with that in mind, I think you know you're probably right that they that he did have players go back there and 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 just give a, a little bit of a help out there. He did get denied a goal on the review where they all went up celebrating. It's like yeah. he slid into it in the goal square and they took it they took it off him with the behind. Oh, I didn't have an issue with that. I think it was probably the right decision. But yeah. um, the two the two that sort of caught my eye, um, I mentioned Dan Butler before kicked three goals. Uh, he's every week. I think we seem to fluctuate as to which of these, uh, which of these small mosquito fleet ones are the guys actually having the most impact, and it changes from week to week. They all bob up at different times, and Dan Butler was fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Butler is fantastic. Got nothing against him. I think he's been he's really been a great addition to our best twenty two this year, and he deserves his spot every week. He's consistent. I think he might have had one bad game since the start of the year. And he missed a week or two, I think, as well. Yeah, so yeah, that, yeah, that. Every, every game he's played has been fairly consistent. The one that I ask questions about still, about his consistency, is Jason Castagna. He takes marks, though. Like, I know he clunks a mark, but in front of goal, why, like, why do he you just rushes. Why do you say that? Because I actually like him. I think he's good. I, I think, think he's, he's paying his I, way. I, I don't mind him, and I think he, he gets his spot every week. He certainly brings the effort every week. But, you know, not that we really needed to kick another goal near the end there, but there was a moment where Castagna just grabbed the ball out of the pack when it hit the ground, and he just kicked it anywhere and went through for a behind. Like, if he was a tad more experienced, he might have just taken a little bit more yeah, time. Yeah, but that come. Is I know, he, but is it his second year? He's a, he was a rookie. Pick. He was a rookie pick, wasn't yeah, he? And, like, and you know what? I, I I really hope that someone like a Titch Edwards has taken him under. Oh, let's his hope wing so. Yeah, and, and and works with him because I think he has the ability to be very much like Edwards was. I'm not sure if he still is. No, but he was. Plough mentioned him the other week as someone who's probably just dropped a little bit off. They could have, but you know, two years ago he was sort of on the cusp of being that next yeah, really great. Yeah, he, he's had it. He's, I mean, he had the, he missed about five or six weeks with that. It was like a knee jarring yeah. injury um, in for after round two. Played out the game, and um, you know he's, he came back back against Frio. Frio, he's been good without being spectacular. Plays his role, but yeah, he's not that sort of. You don't notice. I suppose you don't, at the same time you don't notice him like you do with Dustin Martin because it's so very obvious you notice every one of their disposals. Well, noticing Dustin Martin, can, <laughs> can we mention the stat? That uh, I never knew even existed. Eight broken tackles in a game beats the AFL record. He's don't arguing world records now. That's which is fantastic. That's amazing. So don't I mean, argue. I mean, I it. Did don't he do argue. Two? It. Did he do two in five seconds? Yeah, push one hand and, <laughs> and then push the another. On that, how many more players in our side are trying to do the dusty these days? Well, Koch does it well. Koch has yeah. done it a couple of times. I think he's. I think he's. What they could actually get him in for his contract is they can actually just pay him, top him up outside as the don't argue coach. Let's put him. In, let's pay him an extra couple of hundred on the side in the coaching thing and make him. He's the don't argue tackling coach. Yeah. He's the. How do you get out of a tackle? They'll put some some weird name on it and well, away you be go. Sponsorship from Don's doesn't it? I mean they've got the Don's donk. <laughs> they've got the Don's donk at the MCG on a Sunday if the ball hits the post. We need some sort of uh, don't argue. I like it. I like it. The other one who goes under the radar this year, and he had his probably best again. He, he raises the standard each week. Kane Lambert, Kane Lambert yes. was spectacular on the weekend. Yeah. He uh, finished. If I check my stats, thirty-three. 
yeah, positions. Thir- 30, 33 disposals. I think uh, 33 disposals, 569 metres gained. 12 of those disposals were contested. Um, six clearances, 10 tackles. Like, if you talk about that pressure, he's what, he's in in the in the crux of it. You look at the, uh, the, the, the pressure acts. 29 pressure acts. Mm. That's, you know, those sort of numbers are unheard of. Uh, Josh Caddy, again, 28 pressure acts. These... This pressure game from the guys that you know, like I know, I've been a bit of a critic of Josh Caddy going, oh, "Is he doing enough?" It's it, it, success is measured in different ways, and I think it's more than just kicks, kicks, marks, and handballs and goal, goal side because they're the obvious things. But in this game plan, we you're right, we do need to be seeing, um, you know, all sorts of different indicators as to this as to why the game plan is successful. And pressure is the key word of all that. Um, Jack was good. Um, Can we mention Chad Wingard from Port Adelaide? What do you have? Thirty a thousand meters gained. Is it a, a kilometer? Is there, is I, there I, any chance anyone could have picked him up at some point? Thirty nine. He had eleven in the first quarter, eleven in the in the last. Twenty of those were uncontested and uh, ten clearances. If a you thousand don't mind. meters gained, gained a kilometer. When you start talking about gain, meters gained in kilometers, you know you've had a good game. That's a. I've never heard of a thousand meters gained. Neither have I. I'll have to. I'll have to ask Luffy this record, week. Surely. Um, that, that, that I suppose the other, we, let's just touch on briefly um, being a top four team, and you know we are now we, we're half a game off. If I get my ladder out here correct, so we went up. We, so we're at nine and five, which is now we spoke. Well, we spoke about this last week, and we spoke about how important this game was in regards. If Port Adelaide win it, they would have been two. They would have been a game and. 20, 30% ahead of us. And yeah. that might have been a bridge too far for us to get into the four. The fact we win it, we now go a game ahead, still a bit behind on percentage, but having that game buffer now makes it such an important thing for us. You are dead right. And I think the key there is, this was this given the round also, there were a few other upsets there. I actually genuinely think this is the first round. A few upsets. Have you looked at my tipping? I got, I got three. I was horrid. What did you get? I got six. Oh, what? Well, you don't know what you're talking yeah. about. No, I got, <laughs> I got six. I tipped Who does your tipping? Your mum. <laughs> no. How do you get six? I tipped St Kilda. Yeah. I thought, I thought yeah. they would win against Freo. Mind you, it was a last minute decision. I, I always said it was one of my three. Yeah. I, I missed out on Melbourne uh, and Sydney. Yeah. Like Melbourne, I tipped. So did I you thought. go West Coast in Melbourne? Did you no, wish- I went the Bulldogs. No, I didn't get that one. Uh, I'll have to have a look at my tip. Maybe you didn't get six. No, 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 I definitely did get six because okay. I just got it on my, my footy tips app. It said, congratulations, outstanding yeah, round. You are the best yeah, tipper in Australia. Yeah. I was going to say, by this week's standards, you deserve to win the free hey, whopper. I'm, I'm actually having a good year. I'm, I think I'm, I'm on like 83 or 84 for the year. You're killing it. Yeah, considering the year we've had. Anyway, anyway, the point point I was going to make, given the, given the uh, given how uh, how the, the results went that that round, I actually think this is the first time now we're starting to see those gaps open up in the ladder as to, you know, who's who's actually going to make it. You know, you see you see Essendon go down to Brisbane and suddenly they're two games out of the eight, and you see the Bulldogs drop another game. They're they're seven and seven. They're off the pace with you know pretty horrible percentage. Gold Coast and all those sort of teams now are back on six wins. So you've now got. All the te- all the teams that are in the eight, there's a game clear back back out to the uh, outside the eight, and yeah. you've got you've got you know five to eight are all even, and then there's a gap up to the top four. So you're actually starting to get these breaks in it, and it's really nice to say that we are in that top four bracket, and you know only uh, half a game off third, um, and you know only one game in percentage off off second, and. Nope. Game and a half and percentage off it because, because obviously there was the draw. And once again, it puts us back to something that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago and it makes it even more evident now, is the fact that, and 
people are going to listen to this and say he's only saying it because he's a Richmond supporter. It ain't true. I'm saying it because it's a genuine fact. Richmond are a fair income premiership contender now because there is no other team above us that is putting their hand up to say, I am the one. GWS do it every now and then, and then they get knocked down. Geelong did it on the way. Adelaide, I'm still very confused about where Adelaide are at as a, Can't nearly a got genuine them. good team. Exactly, Carlton nearly got them. Geelong, I still don't believe are an absolute fair income premiership chance. I don't think they are. They're third at the moment, but I don't think they've shown enough. Port Adelaide have shown that they're vulnerable. Melbourne are going backwards, but it looks like the best Injuries things. are going to get them, I think. They will. West Coast, Sydney are probably the only other team in the eight at the moment that are saying well, they, we they, are looking well, like a genuine... They, well, they're ninth now. Because yeah. they've okay, killed yeah, the one, so they've yeah. dropped out. But yeah, they're the, they're the one outside the eight who I think everyone needs to be scared of. Without and, a doubt. And but I, having said that, Richmond are a fair income team and a Fennington contender when it says we believe that we can win a prim- we have the team to win a premiership they're as good as any other team out there now they have to be you have to you have to concede that I think you're right and I think that the, the, I had an argument with someone on Twitter on Saturday night actually because uh, Port, Port Adelaide hasn't actually beaten a team in, in the, the eight, eight yes correct when they've played them so you know some teams have dropped out and you know but whenever they've played a team that they're in the eight and they're in the eight as well They've gone down to them. So everyone goes, oh, they're just a pretender. And I know Ken Hinckley said after the game they have to wear that tag. But, you know, I said after the game, you know, we've, everyone's been waiting for us to get a scalp because, I mean, because we did go down to Adelaide and we did go down to GWS, um, you know, but we were, competi- we were competitive in one of those games at least. But, you know, you can only play who you're up against. Um, you know, I look at the eight now and we've beaten West Coast, we've beaten Melbourne, we've beaten Port Adelaide, we've, we went down tight to GWS, we went down, we got flogged by Adelaide when they were absolutely pinging. Um, and we haven't played Geelong yet, so you can yeah. only play who you're up against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, Port Adelaide at home is a scalp. They, they you know they are a, a good team who um, you know I, I think that's the pleasing thing that I took out of it was that you know we went and played a good team on their turf and showed them up, and and when and when challenged found another gear and they didn't. So you know it's it's you I think you're right, Chipex. Like I never even back in uh, back in 2015 and 2013 when we were sort of hovering around that top four mark, I was. I don't have that sort of air of didn't have that air of enthusiasm like I do now because there was there in that those years there were always a couple of teams who were just at the well, next Hawthorne level. There was a Hawthorne that, yeah. there, and there was Fremantle, exactly. and and those it was sort always of going to be tough to catch him. You're right. Any of these teams are gettable on their day, and we've shown through consistency of form that we are the most consistent team of the year. Yeah. Um, and I had, a, I had a Geelong friend who actually wrote an opinion piece for his for his blog about how he he goes, yeah, Richmond can win it, and in, he he's right. I go back to what Hardwick said a few, about a month or so ago. We're not playing our best football yet. He said we're, it again on Saturday night. He goes, "We still got. We're still not go. playing our best football." I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. We're not playing our best football yet. We're in the top four, we're nine and five. Can so we can we improve our starts? The only yeah. game this year that we've actually had a decent start in against was Adelaide. And yeah, that, oh, that was, we we had a good we we had a good start again. We we had where we've gone on to win. I think that's I actually yeah okay yeah because we had good start against GWS and then had three quarters to throw it away. We had a good start against uh, Sydney. Nah, Frio, we were horrible, and we then we and then we made it up yeah, in the last Frio. quarter yeah. against Sydney. We had an awesome start and let and then let them back in it. That was interesting actually from the weekend was that I think by Port Adelaide home ground standards, you want to shut the crowd out of it. And make them a non-factor really early Having in the said game. That, there was only forty-one thousand there. I was really disappointed in that. I thought Port Adelaide were getting close to fifty thousand. They might have to bring out the tarps. <laughs> but I think it's important that in the, when those home when you're playing those sort of parochial crowds 
away, you need to make sure that they don't get on top early because the noise the noise comes and then you know you, it becomes a bit of a mental game. The fact that it was such a grind, yes, we weren't ahead on the scoreboard, but it, there was in in no way a means for them to get up and about um, with that. So I think that was that was an important thing to come out of it. What's disappointing though is the fact that. Port Adelaide always play never tear us apart at the start of their games. They should have played Survivor, either the Tiger instead, I think, in my opinion, because it was really them surviving in the end there, or trying to survive. So, Well, I would have thought that we did tear them apart. We did. We certainly did. Yeah. I mean, it was relevant because they were expecting their opponents to tear them apart, but... I would have liked to have heard Survivor of the Tiger at some point as I well. Think, I think Dylan Leach said at the end of the game they should stop playing in excess and start playing the Pretenders. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I did hear that one. I did see that. Now, uh, I was a little bit concerned about Nankervis. This, I, I thought he, I thought Paddy Ryder took it right up to him, which was which was good that he had a, a decent contest. But it also brings up a couple of points in regards to, once again, if Nankervis goes down, where are we at? In regards to Ruck support and the fact that Ivan Maric is saying goodbye to the club at the end of the year. Well, that's that brings us as a nice way into talking about Ivan. And um, you know, I think if, if we, we you know, Ivan's been with us since 2012, and he's been such a heart and soul player. I think Patrick Dangerfield wrote it beautifully in the in the Herald Sun yesterday uh, about how it's how it's so important to have those heart and soul players. And Ivan was never the, the greatest ruckman in the world, but he could grind out a game. Yeah. Um, and you know he wasn't a pure tap ruckman, but he was physical. He made he made the contest. He won games. He could draw, drop back in the hole. He could go forward and kick goals. He is he was this is he is kind of the archetype of what Nankervis is now. But you know Ivan's not belting the door down in the in the VFL. He's he's essentially hanging on this year as a bit of a playing coach for that VFL side, yeah. and he's got he's, he's developing his cousin there. Um, you know, if if Nan Curvis does go down, and yeah, you're right. Like uh, Ryder was in terms of pure tap rucking, was all over him. Yep. But but Nan Curvis did. There was one was passage of play. Yeah. There, he was serviceable. There was one passage of play. I think where I'm trying to think which quarter it might have been. Might have been the third, or might have, it might have been actually. Yeah, I think it was the third where Nan Curvis intercepted it, turned the ball over. Then Dan Curvis rang back defensively. They turned the ball back over straight to him. He took a mark. He kicked it long and turned it straight back over again. Yeah. And that was kind of a, uh, you know, a, a symbol of the night he sort of had where he, he was in the right spots but just couldn't really have much of an effect. But super coach-wise, I don't know if he, he broke the ton. Everyone was saying the that. Harold had him as the second best player for Richmond. Oh, no, I, I tend to disagree with that. I, I, my best three were I had, I had Dusty, Lambert, and um, and probably Butler, I think, because they impacted the scoreboard. Does he realise how... T- tall he is sometimes he's 200 isn't he yeah yeah i think he does most ga- <laughs> most but most games that's his advantage so it, it, there's only been a couple of games that's been against really experienced ruckman that he has struggled this year but i say that because he's always at the contest like he's he's bending over to grab the ball and get a hand pass yeah. out like he's a very good kick he just acts like another midfielder not a ruckman as that's a field yeah. as a as a field kick he's you know, he's, for the most part, he's pretty bloody brilliant compared to a lot of other ruck stocks. You know, a lot of ruck, particularly the tall tap tap ones, they tend to they'll take the mark and they're just looking. There's always a player then standing there next to him for the dip, for the cheap handball off. Nankervis is more than happy to go and kick it diagonally 45 meters into the into the middle of the ground and spot someone up. He's he's got that poise. He sort of when you look at the the way he kicks it, he's he's he looks like the uh, the, the the what if you were teaching kids how to kick. He's got a very good action. Yeah. I think we certainly lack that second ruckman, the rotating ruckman. We certainly need to in the off season. Greg was going done. up again. Yeah, like what's? I was just about to say that there there was a, a contest between Greg and Ryder. I mean, it worked to our advantage in the end there. But like, what's going on there? 
Yeah, look, you're going to have to use someone, so they might as well use Grigg at the moment while he's there. But he's not even that tall, no, Grigg. You no, know, he's not, exactly. But you're going to have to give... You've got to give Nankervis a bit of a break at some point. Yeah, I, th- I think Griffiths, I read read during the week, is just starting back with some very light okay. duties at training. They haven't put a line through him, but, I mean, look, we all obviously think that's probably going to be the case. But, um, you know, it's you, you, we're dead short of, of one there. And, you know, I... I it probably brings the question of, does Marich get a farewell game? Yeah, I think he does. I reckon no. the last round of the season, depending on where we're at, against no. St Kilda. I think if you're going to give him one, it's against Brisbane in two or three weeks when we're probably going to win it anyway. And you, but 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 I think, but I, I think if you, if I love romance. You I can't really be, love. It's romance. hard to gift games when we're but it, top it four. It is so hard to gift a game when your team is doing so well this year. Really hard to break the format. Really, but having said that, look, Nankervis may need a week off. Yeah. at some point, so it may not be gifting him a game. It might be actually general. Uh, one bloke that I think is in desperate need of a week off at the moment, and I think it's just indicative of young football players who are playing pretty well, is Daniel Rioli. Yeah. He's, he's looking just a little bit cooked at the moment. He bobbed up. He bobbed up with a good goal on the weekend, but he, you're right. Like his influence um, hasn't been as good as it was in the first. I think there was plenty of times in the first half of the year that I said the better Rioli at the moment in the AFL is Daniel. What do you have on the way? He had six disposals, uh, but let's and, and thirteen pressure acts. Which when you compare that to the likes of of uh, of, of the caddies and and yeah. Lamberts and that, that's it's not quite what we're wanting from him, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I, I suppose if, if uh, you know, Bolton was met was rested this week and Stengel had a good debut, so you never know. They might decide that, well, yeah. Well, you know, de- we have the luxury of doing it. Um, we, we've got yeah. We've got some good young kids waiting back that, you know, you can rotate back in if you're going to give those guys a week off. I think, the, again, I say the Brisbane game, and I don't like to... I mean, we saw yesterday you can't take, afford to take Brisbane lightly, but I would be much more... Uh, confident of perhaps resting a few players against Brisbane if we beat uh, we've got St Kilda and GWS before that and if we win we should beat St Kilda um, and then you know you, you know GWS at the MCG is a different kettle of fish to mm. G, G, GWS at Spotless uh, you know that, we might even go in as favourites in that game I'm not sure but that's uh, that's sort of where we're at with that uh, and if you know I think to, we, the, the important thing is I think the way it's starting to spread is we probably do not only need that those three wins now to make sure we actually do make the finals, and then you make a couple more on top of that for the rest of it. We play St Kilda twice. We do have a game against Geelong down the road, at the, down the highway. Um, but there's probably four wins there we should be getting minimum, which which gives us 13, and then you know maybe jag one of the other ones, and you never know, we, we, that we can hang around the top four. And I think it's, it's a season more than ever where... Yeah, you, you can control all the results you can, but there's going to be a lot go your way based on how other teams go. Which you know, it's it's not oh, yeah, just about it's not right. it's not just about dictating your own your own form. You're gonna you need a you need a couple of results that go your way as well. Uh, so, have you got a, has anyone got a, like a a lasting uh, moment of Ivan Marich in a game or the like that sort of springs to mind when you think of the big the big fella? Oh, there's there's one there's a couple, there's a few of them but he was never really sort of a highlights real man but if you've got one I'd love to hear it. Mm. I haven't got one off the top of the head uh, but I I think I just agree with you the fact that he was just a he is and Patrick Dangerfield the heart and soul of a club just a bloke that keeps going and going and going just a lovable larrikin and they're the sort of guys you need around the club. I think the elimination final against Carlton that year 2013 he kicked a goal and he just put the fists up 
I'm pretty sure that was that in, was in the yeah that, that, yeah it was in the last quarter yeah. when the game when the game was starting to get a bit you know out of our hands and he kicked a really important goal. It was gave, an important goal, but you know we know what happened with that game. But that was a moment where he just <laughs> he had a really good game at the G game. I mean, he had a lot of really good games, but there was a couple where he absolutely dominated. One was against Sydney at, at the MCG, and he just kept dropping back into the hole and took some really important marks and yeah um, and gr- grinded it out in the ruck. And I remember being at the end of the then that was when he sort of really the, the cult of marriage started. Um, and there was another one against Sydney where he kicked he kicked the soccer goal. He like kicked like a penalty oh, kick. Yeah, yeah, you remember yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and which you know was so appropriate, being that he's uh, that he uh, he's the president of what he might still be the of the St Albans Soccer Club. Yeah, passionate passionate about that that game as well. And um, you know I know that they were having a bit of fun with that when Rewalt kind of fell out of the way a little bit, and the ball's just hovering there in the goal square, and he's like Golzano, and he ran in and kicked it. It was yeah. great. And and I have like, to correct you too. When you're talking soccer, it is the St Albans. Oh, St Albans. Sorry, St Albans. Is that, okay, well, I, I, I need to go down there. It's <laughs> only the St Albans Footy Club. Okay, when yeah. it comes to soccer, it can't, that's you've got to put a little <laughs> yeah. bit of the, okay. the Maltese sort of. Of course. Yeah, around it. Fair enough. Uh, the biggest talking point of the last week, though, when it comes to the Richmond Football Club, is a bloke named Bashahooli. And we recorded this last Monday, said, oh, look, he might get careless and, you know, three down to two would be nice. And um, a bit played out from there. I mean, essentially, to go back through it just really quickly, we he got he, they, they said it was intentional. My understanding from the MRP was that they thought that he, you know, he, he's looked at his shoulder, seen his opponent, then thrown it. So, therefore, they have to go intentional and, you know, you cop that. So we've got two weeks. We were both sitting in uh, in the studio car when the phone call came through from Megan Husswaite saying mm. two two weeks. And we were, we just looked at each other and fist pumped the air or run around and go, how good is this? Two <laughs> weeks. We'll take that and bloody run. Yep. Two weeks, you bix. Yeah. The you... AFL had a different <laughs> thought about that. And on that basis, I'd just like to congratulate and thank Thomas Bug for his uh, career as an AFL player because he'll never play again. <laughs> He's going to get... Based on what we saw. He is going to get absolutely squashed. Absolutely hammered. Yeah, they get the bu- yeah. they'll have the bugs, bro. <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, if anyone thinks it's going to be any less than six to eight, uh, six absolute minimum. I had Tony Sheehan was arguing on Twitter the other night that how was who you know if you, I don't think Bugs should get any more than four weeks and Bugs stood face to face, face looked at him and hit him hit him and put him down out of the out of the game. This wasn't a the thing with the the Hooli one was at least Hooli's was he was running he had an opponent running with him and he was trying to shed himself of the opponent. Now where Bash was unfortunate was Bash has obviously just got him right in the right spot. Yeah, because. A hit like that should not knock a bloke out. When you're running away and you hit backwards, I think Bash's hit just got him right in the right spot. It was unfortunate for him and knocked him out. Bugs' hit was a deliberate placement onto the jaw. He's looked. He's looked at him, thrown a punch, got him in the head, put him on the ground, and I think yeah, I think six six minimum. Mix six well, minimum. Based on the reaction of the AFL to to Bash's two weeks and that they wanted four. Because that they didn't think that that was a good look at the game, and it's clearly a then, worse incident oh. than that. Look, all I ask is that the AFL tribunal and the MRP just make the right call this time. It probably won't be the right call, but I just don't want to see consecutive nights people at the tribunal trying Poor to Megan. work this out. Yeah, Megan in particular. <laughs> like last week was just a joke. If we had have seen three weeks. Given to Hooley, no this wouldn't have happened. No, exactly. No, just exactly. give him three. He misses the Brisbane game. He's back for GWS. Now it's overturned by the AFL because they appeal. He gets four, misses GWS, and that's a game where we could probably use Hooley against I'll, GWS. I wonder whether Richmond kind of did it to themselves a bit in that when they went to 
arguing what penalty he should have got. They themselves said two weeks, and you know you probably you, you, what you generally expect in that situation is you say two weeks. The prosecution says four, so they'll land at three in the middle. So we'll get a bit somewhere in the middle. And they, and because of you know Malcolm and and Waleed who went in there and 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 you know their their character evidence along with a lot of others. It was, having said that though, Malcolm Turnbull's character evidence wasn't actually a letter from the prime minister saying no. I believe it was a it was an excerpt from a speech that Malcolm Turnbull had made the day before launching the Bashahuli multicultural program that funding that they were putting in. So it was just it, and yeah that is important, I think. It wasn't like Malcolm Turnbull sat down and, and penned, penned, a, a letter, penned a letter himself. He stood up at a press conference. Richmond took the comments from the press conference and tabled them as, as characters. Which is fair enough. And, and I have no issue with what they did, but I think a lot of people got over the top thinking that Malcolm Turnbull actually wrote a letter yeah. about Basha Hawley. Well, he didn't. I think if uh, you know, I, I, if Richmond walked in there and said, you know what, let's, just, let's ask for three, they probably get it, and then everyone probably goes, oh, yeah, three, look, could have been four, but uh, the AFL leave it. It was so grossly inadequate that the AFL had to do something and um, you know I, I I was speaking to someone closely connected to Basher on uh, on on the Thursday night when when the hearing was going on and and he said uh, you know the person the one person out of all this who's just you know a bit who cares let's just move on with life in the whole thing was Basher he was just ready to copy his whack whatever it was yeah, and move exactly. on he understood that he did something wrong and he just wanted to be able to move forward. Instead, he's back there again. He's just like, well, just let me know what I'm doing, mate, and I'll, I'll serve my yeah. penalty. Yeah. So, uh, that's you know so- what I don't like about it, though? And this probably isn't the form to bring it up, but it was an independent tribunal that made the decision. Now, I'm not saying... An AFL-appointed independent tribunal. Regardless, they appoint the people. But at the end of the day, it's a tribunal that is independent of the AFL's influence. So it's a, a tribunal of former players, past players, and normally a, uh, an old judge who chairs the whole thing. If that's what they gave him, I don't understand why the AFL then didn't just accept it themselves. I think because had had Hawley have, had Richmond have received four for Hawley, Richmond would have walked away and said, "Oh, that's yep, all right." We accept. I don't think Richmond would have appealed four. I no, I don't think so either. And certainly, I think that. I think what it just comes down to is the AFL itself has these values that they've they've put clearly on the agenda in the last six weeks of we do not want to see blokes getting hit in the head throw, from throwing punches. We do not want to see it. It's We're drawing a line here. Yeah, but that's fine. But if an independent tribunal decides that that's the, the, the decision that is made and that's the penalty, I don't understand how the AFL can say, no, bugger you, we're not accepting that. I think... The, the reason they clearly obviously felt it wasn't in line with those values, but you're you're right in the sense that if you're going to have an independent tribunal, exactly. you then have to have respect it? the process. Yeah, but they, we might as well just have players go in front of the AFL because we're getting less and less of it now because everyone just accepts their penalty or they get given a, a set penalty by the MRP and they accept it. So this was the first time the tribunal had sat this year and what was it yeah. round fourteen? So why don't we if, if the AFL are going to interfere? Why don't we just have them go up to Simon Lethline and he'll hand out the penalty? There there is no use. <laughs> having an independent tribunal. The same as there is no use having goal umpires if decisions are going to be overruled all the time. Or there is no use of having cricket umpires if you're going to have to go if and have a-, a look at electronic technology each time to make sure they've made the right decision. Let blokes do their job and accept it. Yeah, I, 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 so that's my I, I, No, I hear you. I hear you. It's a good winch. Yeah, some people argue that the tribunal hadn't sat for that long, that they've forgotten what to do when they're in a tribunal situation like they were. So, look, as I said before, they should have just outright came out and said, you get three, four down to three, that's it, end of story. 
the, what's happened's happened though. Well, the, the system with the MRPs. I mean, as we said, like when we went through the box, because it was if it was going to be graded intentional, it was clearly high impact. It had to yeah. go. I actually th- thought if it, if the AFL hadn't have appealed. It would have you would have got a lot more, and even off the back of the Will Schofield one as well, you will get a lot. You would have got a lot more players going. Oh, you know what? I actually might roll the dice at the tribunal because if that's if that's what I can get, if I actually go and argue my case and a situation like Basher Hooley where everyone's saying get four weeks and I you only get two, you know what? I might actually go and not just tick the boxes and take my penance and go. I might actually argue my case and um and bring forward all these arguments. And you know what? If that's because the panel clearly felt there was some movement within what they could give the penalty to. Um, I suppose unfortunately for Basher, it was a little too much in the sense that they then it was so grossly out of line with what the AFL wanted. So they, oh. you know, but the good the thing about and- it is, is that a year ago, two years ago, we lose Basher Hooley for four weeks. Our defence would have struggled. The good thing is, is that we've got the depth now, and this is what I was talking about before in regards to resting blokes, that we can bring someone in to replace Basher, and it doesn't look too different. Yeah. Well, you go back to last year, and when we were getting cut, where we were getting cut down so bad, it was we, we couldn't get the ball out of our half-back line, and teams were then just putting the ball back in and Correct. kicking big scores. We didn't have, last year, for a large chunk of the season, we didn't have Basher. He was out injured. We didn't have Camden McIntosh, yeah. basically, for the whole season. He played a really good role on Robbie Gray on the weekend, kept him to one goal. Um, Dylan Grimes, so he kept him to one goal, and when, when Dylan Grimes wasn't in, Dylan Grimes' time span, I, mean, I think he had 70 minutes on him, kept him goalless in that time. Um, you know, Dylan Grimes has finally had some consistency of body. He's not he's not getting injured every second week like he like he was for the last yeah. five years. You finally got that you know that consistency of a back line, um, and you know as you saw on the weekend, Basher goes out. One side, the old Clarko mentality, we just replace him with another soldier, and the game plan continues, and we go on. Um, it's it's refreshing. Mm. Yeah, it's, mm. it's beautiful to see. It is beautiful to see. Yeah, um, and I'm still waiting on um, our slab from the Carlton show. Have they delivered it? I haven't seen it. No. I, well, I came in here last week, the day after they'd recorded their show, and there were stubbies in the bin. Yeah, no, I did see them last night, and they. Mari actually said last night, if you guys don't win the flag from the position you're in now, you guys are stuffed. Like. What? <laughs> I, he, he, he was joking around. He's pulling yeah. my leg, obviously. But he was. It, it's like, it's yours to lose. It's yours to, to lose. lose. Well, it's, I think injuries are going to play. We, we've had a reasonably good run with injuries. Compared, I mean, we've got Reese Conkers out and Griffith is out. And Hampson is out. Yeah. But we have, we're not missing a... We, you look at Melbourne at the moment. They've suddenly got Viney, uh, Tom Tyson's injured, uh, Nathan Jones Hogan. is injured, Jack Watts, Hogan. They're all... They're like, that's... That's six of your best... Five or six of your best Jones. players. Yeah. They've got all these... We, we, we luckily, we've still got our... We've been reasonably consistent with our having our best twenty-two out there. When a guy like Dustin Martin had a hand injury, he did play. He did play the next week when he battled soreness. He still got out there and got twenty-five touches. And you know, we, previously they might have gone, "Nah, we'll we'll give you a week off." Yeah. Um, I suppose the last point we need to touch on before we wrap up for this week is Maddie's match on Saturday night. So it's the mm. uh, well, how many years have they been doing that? The uh, five think, or six? No, I think it's no, I think it's four. Four, okay, four. Um, yeah. of uh, of uh, so this is Maddie Rewalt's vision. Uh, obviously Nick's Nick's sister passed away from a bone marrow related disease. Um, and Jack's obviously the, the, the who was her cousin, and they the, the, the last year I think they didn't do it against Richmond. I think it was against it was the Saints and the Dogs. But uh, as they've sort of got this tradition up and going, every time St Kilda plays Richmond and it's a, a St Kilda home game, it's Maddie's match, and they the raise money. Purple. Everyone, yeah. So the Saints jumper's got the purple. It's a fantastic cause, everyone. And you know, I know it's a it is a St Kilda home game this week, but get to Eddie Had and try and fill the place up because they do donate a portion of every ticket to the to the uh, to the MRV MRV. 
yeah, MRV. Just can check that to, to MRV, and uh, you know wear purple because you do you do support the the cause there. And you know Nick Nick and Jack are run wonderful, absolutely wonderful drivers of it. Um, they give a lot of time to a lot of people out there. You've got to, to pay for the privilege of wearing purple, don't you? I think it's five bucks or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. And you just donate. There'll be tin rattlers. Get out there. Yep. Do what you can. Mm. Um, and it should be a cracking game because as we saw from some Kilda last night against Frio, they're not pushovers. They uh, they on their day can can put up a fight, and you know they've they've they found a way to kick kick you know sixteen goals. And I'll be interested to see how they back up the Saints after a tough six day win. break on yeah, the road. Six day break on the road, tough win against Frio. I'll be interested to see how they back up. They're sort of at that point where they're trying to they're still trying to find that consistency of their best twenty two and who that is. Um, you know, is particularly their forward line structure is McCartan in there? Does Rewalt play forward? Does he play on a wing? And I think the ideal lineup for them would be have all three of them up there and Rewalt playing on a wing. But just due to conform and, and concussion and whatnot, they haven't been able to really sort of get them them all going. Um, I just think the important thing is if Nick Rewalt is asking for the ball back. Uh, and it wasn't his free kick, don't just throw in the ball because he'll just throw the arms out, cost you a 50-metre penalty and gift them a goal, which is what happened uh, with, uh, was it, Griffin Logue. Uh, and everyone's jumping up and down about that, saying, oh, Nick Rewald's unsportsmanlike because he called for the ball. I just think it's bad luck, mate. Like, it's actually a lesson of naivety. So Richmond players out there, if Nick Rewald... Just put it on the ground? Put it on the, put it on the ground or just ask the umpire who's got the free kick, who's got the free kick. You have time to do that. Umpires are normally pretty clear in instructing. He's got it, he's got it. Uh, you know, please give it back to... To uh, Josh or whoever it might be, uh, don't don't because Nick Nickel, you know it's clever use. I know some people are saying he cheated. I don't think that's the case. He didn't break any rules. Come on, give us a spell. Um, what are you thinking of this game? Should we uh, win? Saints by ten goals, as you always do. Tradition sticking well. Richmond with a win. Any any? Oh, you don't tip margin no, anymore, no do you? No margin, just Richmond with a win. I'm going to say Richmond by four goals. I'm wondering whether Nick Vloston will uh, now that he's got a couple of games under his belt might come in. Um, yeah, maybe oh, probably Oleg Markov. I think Possibly, I, I, yeah. he's probably the one. If they feel like they've got enough run from Energy and those types in it, maybe they. And at Eddie Had, you can we can use our speed pretty blistering. Yep. Conditions shouldn't be an issue. Uh, it's at it's a night game, Saturday night. So I'm looking forward to it. We'll go to ten and five and onwards and upwards from here with uh, with with Richmond and uh, Shebex. We'll tweet out the photo. So at Tiger Tragics is the is the Twitter handle. We'll tweet out the photo of this this glorious jumper that uh you know. So, so just to those who've just joined in halfway through here, he, so this was Jay Schultz's jumper from the two thousand. Actually, joined in a podcast halfway through. Sometimes they do. Sometimes, really? sometimes if you, if yeah, this, people will be listening to this going. Nah, I've been listening from the start. Some people legitimately do. <laughs> they look at yeah, because in the if you if you do a rundown of what's actually in the podcast. I don't know, I'm not speaking for this one in particular, but for some people in the podcast, they go, you know, segment one, they're this, and then they do time codes for it all. And some people just go, like, for example, I was trying to find one from the Collingwood one, the, the Jock and Journal one, finding the audio of Scott Pendlebury talking about the Joel Selwood incident. They told me it was 12 minutes in, so I just jumped there. I didn't, I didn't listen from the start. You can you can do that. I hope they don't. I hope you're all listening from the start because we love it. But if you just in case you weren't, you're wearing. Have to spread out my good stuff. <laughs> you're wearing a Jay Shorts yes, jumper. I am from uh, the 2008 Centenary game for the Tigers, and uh, it looks very much like a Hawthorne jumper. The black sort of faded a little bit and looks brown, but probably not too many weeks in the last couple of years that I've actually been able to wear a jumper that celebrates Hawthorne and Richmond's win on the same weekend. So <laughs> it's almost a Ty Vickery kind of jumper. I'm looking at it now, like that's. You just in honour of Ty Vickery, obviously being at Hawthorne now, and or being at Box Hill, it could be. <laughs> it could be. Uh, uh, yes, we'll get that photo out. Beautiful. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. And, uh, for your should time. I say it did fit me ten years ago? 
That's <laughs> all right. It's, hey, if you can get it on, you can get it on. That's the important thing. Uh, thank you, Carl. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Thanks, gents. Thanks, Carl. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Tigers.